0: This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it is the best way to get to really know the guest. Welcome to to today's episode. This week we have two guests, Shannon Thompson and Brendan Harbour. And a little bit about each of them. Uh, Shannon's athletic background began in the equestrian sport of three-day eventing. She then competed nationally and internationally successfully for more than 20 years and also coached riders of all ages and levels during this time. More recently, Shannon has been focused or has focused her passion on running racing competitively in distances from the 800 to ultra trail events and almost everything in between. But as an athlete and a coach, Shannon has always been fascinated by the psychology of achievement. Her interest regarding the power of the mind to impact an athlete's performance and overall experience drove Shannon to complete an undergraduate degree in psychology and then a master's in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. Positive psychology is the science of human flourishing and high achievement and offers a wealth of resources from which Shannon draws to help athletes find the perfor- their performance they are seeking. Uh, number two, our second guest is Brandon Harbour. And he grew up in a small town in Colorado. He was an outdoorsman and athlete. But during his last year of college, Brandon met his partner, a top-ranked professional marathon runner. And as their worlds of business and elite, at, elite athletics joined, Brandon became fascinated by how to take the principles of elite athletes into professional business settings, and this led him to Hypo 2. Bringing his talent for cultivating guest experiences, Brandon has played a pivotal role in the development of the program designed to specifically take Hypo 2, or take what Hypo 2 knows about mental performance in the world of sport, and apply it successfully to business professionals. So, Shannon and Brandon, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ken.
0: So Shannon, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the world of performance psychology.
1: Yeah, so I think you're, what you read about my bio summarizes it really well, but um, basically I I rode horses and coached um, at a competitive level for a long time and uh, really observed how, how big a role the the mind plays in training and learning and and consistent uh successful performance. And um I, I knew near the end of my equestrian career that I didn't want to make that my my life for the long term. And I knew I wanted to to go into sports psychology just because uh I found it fascinating that our mind could play such a massive role in in uh our performance and in our learning and I wanted to specialize in that.
0: Well, that's awesome. And Brandon, what drove you to sort of bringing business and sport together? That's a passion of mine, but talk to us about What drew you to it?
2: Well, I remember um, when I was a lot younger, I did a lot of performing arts, more than sports, ironically. Um, and performing arts is very mental. And so um, I, I just knew that I had that background from a, a younger person. And then college, I studied business. And so I became interested in business, of course. And I started running a lot, probably more, more in college and then after college and that's when I met my partner. And then, so that kind of really got me focused on running cause he runs like 125 miles a week sometimes. So if you want to go into the one extreme. Right. And, um, but yeah, I've always been fascinated by how um, our, just like the mental, our mental perceptions of things and our mental skills and mental habits will affect performance even when you're not aware of it. So um, I, was pointed to Sean by some friends that when I was talking about this kind of world and they're like, you need to talk to Sean because he's, he's doing this at Hypo too. And so we've been uh, working on this program ever since.
0: No. And, and it's instrumental, right? I think performance psychology, the psychology of elite performance and flow state and everything, it all starts in the mind. It's, it's something I've been fascinated with uh, you know, throughout my life too. It's, I, I remember in God, I was a ski racer in college in 92 or 93. We had a a, a guest professor that was doing a lot of stuff with us back then with imagery and progressive muscle relaxation. I'm sure it's way beyond Mm -hmm. that now, but it was instrumental and really learning how to win, right? How to, to get to that peak state in order to take things to the next level. So again, ever since then, I've been fascinated with it as well. But Shannon, talk to us a little, a bit about that mindset, right? The peak performance mindset. How to get? How do you get there? How do you get there? Both in business and sport.
1: Yeah, yeah, isn't that a great question? <laughs> um, um,
0: Stephen I, Collar I, says you go smoke a joint and go for a run and drink a cup of coffee and you should be there. But I don't. Know well,
1: that, know. that's a perfect bridge. I used to know equestrians <laughs> who I used to know equestrians who on the the Saturday night party after. The second day of competition would go drinking, and they swore they rode better the next day because they were more relaxed. <laughs> they were more right. relaxed. It's actually that's not a bad bridge into what my answer would be, which is it's it's different for everybody. Um, now, now having said that, there there are practices that are powerful practices, and users are still absolutely recommended, like. Things like you you mentioned, like visualization and progressive relaxation. These are terrific techniques, and um, we still use them quite a bit. Um, But um, the way that I tend to work and um, really the, the, the approach that our program is built around is helping people understand, like, who they are, at heart, who what strengths they embody naturally, what they tend to use to be their best, both in life and in sport, and um, and helping those people like identify them and plan how they can leverage them more. So, um, so yeah, how do you be your best? In my opinion, you figure out your genuine strengths and who you genuinely see yourself being. And you, you build a plan around that. You build strategies around that. You build ritual around that. Um, and you build uh, belief around that, around the fact that those qualities in you are, uh, are going to get you to where you want to go.
0: Now, and we'll step back here before this whole thing started, you know, and, and I've known Sean Anthony, the CEO and founder of Hypo2. What is Hypo2? Let's start with that. And maybe, um, Brandon, you can go into a little bit of that so people really understand the context of what we're talking about.
2: Yeah. Um, Hypo2 currently is a, it's an internationally recognized sport management organization. Um, they They essentially produce full supported Training camps, alt- altitude training camps, um, for elite athletes and um, Olympic athletes. Um, they actually, it kind of started actually as a it was a company called um, the Center of Associate Director. Excuse me, the Center um, for High Altitude Training, which is a part of it was a program, a part of uh, NAU at Northern Arizona University here in Flagstaff. And Sean worked there um, from 1995 when it started until 2008. And then he he left and then essentially took it private in 2008, 2009. And it's been private ever since. And so HYPO2 has still been providing these training camps. Um, for elite athletes and uh, of all sorts.
0: No, and too, I was talking to Sean as well. He brings people from what from Asia, from Latin America, yeah. from all over the the world, so they can train at altitude in Flagstaff. So that's a little bit about hypo two and and the reason why you know for the listeners why we have Shannon and Brandon on here talking about the the mental aspect of what they're really looking to do. So I, I probably should have said that first, but you know we're not too far into it, so that works well. <laughs> So talk to us about, you know, I think one of the things you had mentioned beforehand is belief, right? A lot of people, top performers really learn how to believe in themselves. They believe what's going to get them to where they are, right? And a lot of people, a lot of times that's the top one person and it's not even the top two, right? Because the second place person is really starting to questioning why they're not number one and they can actually talk them out of that. So talk to talk to us about the importance of belief and uh, in sports psychology.
1: Yeah, so um I'll tell you a real short story. Maybe you think it's gonna illustrate this quite well and that when I was uh, about 19, I was in England, I was riding horses in England, and I was working with an athlete there who had been consistently competitive for many, many years, but she'd never had a really big win. Like she, she was British, she'd never represented Brit- Britain in an international team, she'd never had a won, like, one of the big um, slam events, let's say, of three-day eventing. Um, And, and uh, then one day she won the European championships and that was a huge deal. Like she, I can remember her coming back to the farm and it was just, it was massive. And I remember the the joy and the energy and the enthusiasm and the the increased productivity and um, intensity after that was palpable. Like it was notable. And uh, I remember she pulled me aside one day and said to me, and I was a, a working student, which meant I was, I was there to learn. And she pulled me aside and she said, I need to tell you something about winning, about what winning the European championships has done for me. And she said, um, I um I am, you know, you can tell there's a shift in the energy around here. You can tell there's a shift in, in my, in my happiness, but I want to tell you it wasn't just winning that event that is bringing me joy more so I realized that my methods work. I realized I knew what I was doing all along. I realized that um, I was doing everything right. And, uh, and she says, what I also didn't realize is that I didn't fully believe it until this affirmed it. And now that I believe it, now, now she's just doubling up on everything she already did and everything she already knew. But she said to me, she says, you need to realize, like, I had these capability before I won the European Championships what if i had believed before i won like my my experience would have been different my perhaps i would have done better sooner because i went forward with more confidence um and she says don't do that like when in your career trust what you're doing what you're doing is right operate with full faith you know and you're gonna have a much much better experience and you're going to be more successful and i always remembered that and and i've seen this happen several times now um about you know 15 years later and um i call it going from belief 1.0 to belief 2.0 in that in that when you when you're in belief 1.0 you you have like you have you have a dream you think you believe in it you hope you can get there there's a lot of factors that say you you probably could um and so you you commit to, to some actions you commit to um the best actions, you know, to help you achieve your dream. But then sometimes it takes a a big win or an accomplishment uh, to to truly prove to you that you really do have what it takes, what you're doing is really, is really right. And then I say, you go to belief 2.0 and belief 2.0 is just, you just got more fuel. You've got more confidence. So you do everything you were already doing, but with greater commitment, with greater enthusiasm, with greater belief, and that improves the quality so so what I, what I see in in top athletes is the ability to the ability to act with full belief more so than um, other athletes who perhaps aren 't as elite or not as consistent. Um, the best athletes seem to be able to immediately go after what 's going to make them best what 's going to make them the best they can be um, with confidence. Um, yeah,
0: no, and I loved what you said there, right? It sort of uh, it affirmed what she had been doing, and that it actually worked. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. people, a lot of people don't know how to get there, right? Either too is, is to get there, and, th- and that win. I remember try un- until you first win. It's like it is so impossible, but once you get yeah. there, like that's how you win, right? Yeah. How do you, you know, how do you suggest people, you know, this is sort of an insight and sort of freebie, uh, sort of freebie, uh, advice, but how do you, how do you get people from 1.0 to 2.0, right? I think that's the big, yeah. people that are at the sub elite level, but they have the, you know, they've got the physical makeup, they have the drive, they have everything, but they just haven't learned how to win yet. How do you suggest people go from 1.0 to 2.0?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, well, the way that, that we do it is um, we ask a person to start out by looking back on their past. And we ask them to, to look five years back, ten years back, whatever time frame feels most appropriate. And we ask them to consider how they got from where they were five to ten years ago to, to now um, and to tell some stories through that time to themselves that might highlight some of the personal strengths that they have. So, for example, um, maybe somebody as an undergrad in college dreamed of being a lawyer, you know, and, and when they were in college, this seemed like a, a, really long, a really long road to becoming a lawyer, but they talked to experts at school, they researched law schools, they studied what they were supposed to study, they worked hard towards doing well in the, the important tests like the LSAT, and then they became a lawyer. And so I would ask them to look back and say, hey, like, what did what did you do and what strengths of yours did you draw upon in order to get you from that undergrad who wanted to be a lawyer to, to being a lawyer. And, and we would work together to highlight what those strengths were. So some of them might be perseverance. Um, some of them might be asking for help. Um, some of them might be, oh man, um, let's, let's take those two. Perseverance and asking for help would be, would be two strengths. Um, and so by doing that, first of all, we help someone to notice like where their strengths already lie, and we help them to notice that they've already accomplished something difficult, uh, accomplished a dream that is that it, for, at one time maybe looked impossible. And then I would ask them to consider who do they want to be. So that can be a title. That can be, um, a, 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 if it's an athlete, it could be a particular accomplishment. Um And then even more importantly than the title or the actual accomplishment, I would ask them, who is that person who has accomplished that thing or is in that role? And I would ask them to describe that person. So that might be someone who's brave. That might be someone who's kind. That might be someone who's tenacious. That might be whatever qualities come to that person as being genuine as to um, who they would be if they had accomplished that thing. We basically create a a clear vision of who they want to be. Um, and then we look ahead and we say, hey, can you use those strengths that you drew on from your past? Can we use those now in an intentional way to help you become this person? And what actions do those do, does it, is it going to take for you to be that person? Um, and we create a more specific plan for that. And then oftentimes when they can see that they legitimately have these strengths that have made them successful in the past, and they see a vision that is inspiring for them, um, they get motivated and they get confident and they get a little more clear as to the steps they can take to, um, to becoming this person that they want to be. And that, that amps up a little bit, uh, amps them up to more like belief 1.5, let's say. Um, and then, and, but it, it also increases their commitment to the right actions. And then when they, um, commit to those right actions, they typically see results that will take them the rest of the way, like to belief 2.0
0: interesting no and that's it right and like you said it's it's believing in what you're doing and and it's pretty funny because it it doesn't necessarily need to be the way that someone else did it either right and i think that's a lot of things that people need to believe that it's the way michael jordan did it it doesn't mean it's the same way larry bird did it right and they're still the greatest or you look at all honorable palmer's golf swing it's horrendous compared to everyone else but he was still one of the greatest of all times because he made what he had work for him and once once you have that confidence in that, it's, it's second to none. And Brandon, yeah. question for you, for you know, yeah. making, making the leap from the performing arts into the, you know, into the sports side, right? I think there's a lot of the same mental and physical uh, acuity and performance and focus. What are you seeing from making that crossover? Because I'm sure you can add a little bit different perspective than most people have because you've seen... You know, two more most athletes are just are their athletes their whole entire lives. And I think I think there is actually even more to be gained by having sort of, you know, that type of background moving into sports. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um it's ironic because I was I was gonna mention something and then you asked me the question. I'm, now can you can say it by answer, and answer your question. I was listening to one of your podcasts. Um, it was episode one oh three with Tim Mat Metek. Yeah. Yes. And he said something that I feel like is probably the key that I, he, he framed it really well. And just is, I'm using his words cause they're better. He said that athletes rarely play beyond their capability, especially for very long. But he said the key is to play at their capacity and then stretch from there. And so um, that's essentially how everything is in life. Um, and it, so performing arts, you know, I started like, I started singing essentially um, I sang in church <laughs> And I wasn't good cause I was a kid and you know, no one's good when you start. <laughs> right. And as you go, you know, your parents tell you, tell you you're kind of good and you're like, oh, okay. And then you just kind of keep going. And then maybe you try out for a play and then, you know, everyone claps for you. And so it's just a progression naturally. And maybe you're not good, but maybe you just think you are cause you're supported. But however, when I started getting into athletics, I, I was terrible. I mean, I wasn't fit. I had never really, you know, when you start out, you, you're starting out. So I thankfully didn't have like excessive weight to start with, so I started out um, generally healthy but yeah, you just start running a little bit. And so I ran like, you know, maybe a mile and that was pretty painful. And that was my capacity at the time. And then, you know, i just kind of do that until it felt like it's a little easier to go to two miles. And I think that is probably the key for, for everything in life is to start at what is you're capable of. And I think even what Shannon was just saying is if we use the same analogy, what a person is capable of um, is, is different for everyone, but some people have certain strengths and maybe like those strengths of persistence, that's their, that's their capacity. And they can just kind of keep leaning into that. And then it it grows or it helps them pursue or kind of come out on the other side with a a different belief system.
0: Awesome. And Shannon, question for you. So everyone always says, focus on your weakness, focus on your, well, there's not everyone. There's two schools of thought, right? Focus on (laughs) your weakness or focus on your strength. And you know, because if you go all in on your strength, right, you're going to become way stronger. Or if you focus on your weaknesses, you're going to bring your weaknesses to where your strengths are. Talk to us a mm-hmm. bit about that, right? You know, focusing on your strengths or focusing on your weakness.
1: Yeah, that's such a um, definitely. You're right, a key topic in performance <laughs> psychology, and there's lots of fighting about it too. I just didn't say that, but there's people who really firmly like to sit on one side of the fence or the other side oh, of the I'm fence. Sure. Um, and I would, I would definitely lean towards focusing on strengths. Um, but I'll free, I'll. I'll I would say focus on your strengths and become familiar with your fear. That's what I, that, and you might call fear a weakness. Um, So to go back to focusing on strength, like one of the reasons that we talk about when I talk about with athletes, um, who do you want to be is because our brain is really interesting. Like our brain, we create a focus for it that has an emotional charge our brain will keep that in our unconscious mind or our subconscious mind, even when we're not thinking about it. And it'll work towards realizing that even when we're not thinking about it. So um, when we can create a vision of who we want to be, we set ourselves up to work towards being that person, both when we're consciously thinking about it and when we're not consciously thinking about it. Um, And, and then when we, when we have a vision of who we want to be oftentimes that, that helps us to surpass numerous weaknesses at once. Um, whereas, if we focused on weaknesses, if we are so diligent that we correct those weaknesses or one at a time, we can make progress. But my argument is, it's not as efficient as having our vision on something more beautiful, more inspiring. That can that by living up to the vision, it helps to look after a whole bunch of weaknesses at once. So I think I think focusing on your strengths, focusing on who you. Want to be will help correct more weaknesses more quickly than focusing on your weaknesses, maybe that's a better way to better way to put it
0: right, or being um, aware of your weaknesses
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, and I think being aware of weaknesses is wise, um, but investing too much time and attention on them is a less efficient way to use our super powerful brain um, that works far better when focused on something inspiring. Um, than, than something um, that induces fear or self-criticism or limiting. I mean, anytime we focus on a weakness, I think we're limiting our vision. Um, but I, I do, I think that something that really does benefit us is to become aware of how fear shows up in our life. Because... The minute we start focusing on who we wanna be and we develop a terrific, inspiring vision, usually that involves taking some risks. Usually it involves making some, some pr- positive personal changes. And whenever we try to make, take risks and make positive per- personal changes, we encounter fear and resistance to these changes. Um, so if we can really study ourselves when we're feeling fear and we start to learn the forms of fear that, um, that we need to push through or we need to walk, walk through, walk towards almost, um, that can help us keep on track. I think, I think fear shows up and derails us often. Um, so really keeping our eye out for it and understanding how it shows up for us is worthwhile.
0: And what about, you know, how do you take, or what's the difference Psychologically, from say an elite performer versus the next level down or next two or three levels down, right? I think that have the same physical capability but don't have the same psychological capability. It was pretty funny. Um, you know, obviously, many of my listeners, I think I mentioned earlier, my background was ski racing and I got to a point where I could race in college, but that was about it. But then listen to interviews like Bodie Miller, who was saying, Hey, these guys can beat me in practice all day long. But when mm-hmm. it comes to the, the you know, the game day races or the World Cup races, I crush them. Talk to us a bit mm-hmm. about the difference between, you know, the ability to rise to an occasion versus training. Because I know a lot of people can train extremely well, but they can't race well.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so I know you've had some, some performance psychologists on this program. So you, you might have heard of something called flow state. Is that mm-hmm. something you've already talked about on this? On you know, program, flow, flow state's
0: state? awesome, right? You know, it's the it's the, state. The, we're all looking for it.
1: <laughs> exactly, it's the elusive optimal state for performance. Exactly. Um, and I'm betting your listeners maybe know what it is. So I'm just going to make summarize. It used to it really be
0: called quickly. in the zone, right? Now it's flow state.
1: That's it. Yep, yep. And um, and basically, what you know this, but what flow state is is it's 100% focus on the task. Um, and we have limited attentional resources. Like our brain is is capable of focusing on only a certain number of things at one time, so really, the athletes that seem to rise to the occasion at uh, big events and consistently is those are those that can direct their attention to the task as completely as possible, as often as possible. Um, so, so. Uh, a big competition can be more challenging for some people to direct their attention 100% on the task because um, oftentimes people feel like there's something on the line during those moments, like during those big competitions. There's something to lose. There's something to prove. Uh, there's something that if they were to do well at this competition, they could gain. So they feel like they have a lot on the line. And whenever we, we feel like we have a lot on the line, um, that opens us up to some fear. There's some feel. There's a fear of threat. There's a feel of fear of loss. There's a fear of disappointment. Um, And, and I believe that the athletes that perform the best at those in those big moments are the ones that are able to keep their attention ahead of them on what they have to gain on what they have to do um, moment by moment, as opposed to athletes where doubt gets in the way or distraction gets in the way or fear about a poor outcome gets in the way. Um, That really is to me, the, the make or break, make or break quality, um, at those big competitions, those big performances, is those who can keep their attention on the task in the moment. Um, they tend to excel above those who cannot.
0: I love what you're saying there, too, is when people think there's something on the line, right, is when they start freezing, but the ones who there's nothing on the line or they don't perceive, or again, they're just focused on the task at hand versus the dollar amount at the end, it's a totally different ballgame. Yep. Because in training, there's yep. nothing at the end, right? It's just another run. But then when the TV cameras are on and the, the track is ready to go, it's when you need to do it. But yeah. so tell us, you know, we're actually already coming up here in a half an hour. That was amazing. But talk to us a bit about what you guys are doing at Hypo2. Talk to us about a bit about the program that you guys are putting together because it sounds super cool that some of the listeners might be interested in
1: yeah, Brandon, you feel free. You feel free to okay share on cool.
2: on. so, yeah, like we've been talking, there is clearly a um a correlation between performance in athletics and um and how those athletes um, become really elite. and there's a correlation between that and how people in a business setting can do that. and I mean it applies to anyone. so we've we've chosen a business setting because um, we're all interested in it. but I think, so I think our program is um, essentially designed for business groups, business individuals, um, any kind of um, business performer that wants to elevate their, their game. And if if you want to use that terminology and we've, we've essentially pulled out some of the, um, the key, like, as Shannon's been talking about the key aspects of very successful athletes and their mental, their mental skills, mental talents, and and what they do really well and trying to apply them to another audience that may just not have learned it because um, they may not have ever been in that set- setting, and I think some things in business are done really well, and some things in sports are done really well, and so we're trying to pull out the things that are done really well in sport and apply them to business. So our our camp is essentially our retreat, our our course um, is a, a multi-day course, um, either virtually or in person, depending on how COVID continues to g- go on. And uh, Shannon runs that whole that whole uh, um, it's essentially like a group a group um, course.
0: Perfect. No, perfect. Perfect. And where can people find more about you guys? Where can they find more about what you guys are putting together? Um, so people can reach out and obviously I'll post stuff too, but I'm sure they'd love to hear it from you guys.
2: The best place probably right now is our website. Um, it's hypo two and that's H Y P O the number two sport.com. And that's where all of our information is. And you can look at athletic training camps there, and you can look at mental performance intensives there that we're now putting up as well.
0: And we can all use some mental performance, especially during this whole COVID thing that's going on right now as well. So it's a, uh, yep. something that could be good for all of us, but I want to thank you, you know, thank both of you for being part of this. This is awesome. I loved your insight. I love what you guys are doing. Um, and, you know, I think what, you, where are going with this is, is super special. So nice work. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you, Ken. And if anyone has any questions, comments, feedback, would like to reach out to me, you can email me at com. But make sure you're still going out there crushing it. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Have a great weekend. Keep on surviving. Hopefully we'll get through this thing together. So thanks, everyone.